Shut up and sit down. And welcome back to another episode of Into Hinterland, episode 19, coming at you today. Before we get into the podcast, I have a couple quick announcements to go through, and I'm very excited. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio book download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com, and you guessed it, forward slash into hinterland on audible there are over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iphone or your android or your kindle or whatever mp3 player you have honestly in today's fast-paced world finding time to read is almost becoming a luxury for many of us and um you have to ask yourself when was the last time you read a book cover to cover then ask How many hours do you spend in your car each day or at the gym working out? Or if you're like me, how many hours a week are you in airports and in airplanes? These are all perfect times to launch your Audible app and start listening to an Audible book. So, you know, my latest books, uh, which were the, it was kind of a two for one deal, which is great because they periodically do that at Audible is that uh, give you two for one deals was uh, Currency Wars and The Righteous Mind. I've only gotten into Currency Wars. I have not uh, listened to the other one, but uh, super you know, excited about those new titles I just got, two-for-ones. So audible.com, it's the premier provider of digital audio books. Audible has every genre, audio books on business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and so much more. Audible titles play on, as I mentioned, iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. I've been using Audible since 2014, and i got to tell you, it's worth the 15 seconds it takes you to register for your 30-day free trial, and it comes with a free audiobook download. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash into hinterland. Once again, very simple www.audibletrial.com forward slash into hinterland and get your free book now. And also Patreon. I just want to thank all of you who've taken the time to sponsor this podcast through Patreon. If you go to intohinterland.com, you can click on the Patreon link and you can sponsor this podcast for as little as a dollar a month or, or, you know, more, whatever you feel compelled to do. There's no requirement. There's, there's, I think the minimum is like a dollar, but there's no minimum. And, and I got to tell you, it, it does help keep this program alive and, and going because it does cost every month to host uh, the podcast and the audio files and, and to keep it going. So, you know, all the support is so greatly appreciated and, and I just uh, I want to say once again, thank you. And if you haven't done so and you'd like to support it, once again, you can go to the website or you can go to patreon.com and you can support Into Hinterland. So uh, moving on now to the podcast, Long Overdue, episode 19. And I've got a longtime friend here, Sean Brown, in the house. How, Sean, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Well, we Sean and I... Um, we go way back, way back to high school days, and 
prior to high school? No, it's not prior. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, it, you know, I actually thought about you today. I was trying to remember when I actually met you. And if correct me if I'm wrong, did you transfer from Atlantic into Creek? I did. Okay, I so did. maybe your junior year or so? It was my sophomore, halfway through my sophomore year. Okay, yep. so I, I remember that I, I didn't know you initially because I moved here from Michigan at 13, so ninth grade. Gotcha. And, and we met, yeah, somewhere around there. What part of Michigan? Allen Park, Detroit area. Okay, Detroit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I go up there quite a bit. Grand Rapids side, though. Yeah, I'm familiar. Um, I, I like Grand Rapids, by the way. I know this. Is... I, it's been a long time since I've been to Michigan. I know Michigan had their struggles. Obviously, yeah. Detroit's had some corrupt leadership for a long, long time. Um, yeah. But uh, I go there often. Go there, tried you know once a year at least. Yeah. Big turnaround. They're they're coming. They, they hit rock bottom. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's sometimes that's what you need. You got to hit rock bottom and they're coming back up. And it's interesting. You see like little city farms there because oh, the, really? Farmer Jack's and, and uh, Kroger and all those grocery stores, they left Detroit. So they left them, left them high and dry. These people didn't have any, anywhere to go to buy groceries. So they just started farming their own. No their own, way. Yeah, their own produce right there. So Detroit's, uh, it, it's a rock bottom, uh, working their way up approach. But you can see uh, when you go up there now, everybody's got the old English Detroit Tiger hat on. You can see the unity. You can see people getting excited about the town again. Um, they're moving all the sports to one local area, which oh, was a wow. good idea for Detroit. So it had it has like a uh, almost sort of a sports and shopping and, and a district now yeah. that's clean and you know, you don't have as much of the trouble that used to run around in that area. So it's it's actually a good place to go hang out now. That's cool. I, I mean, I got to tell you, the summer months there were just gorgeous. I mean, hot. The weather, oh. Yeah, people don't know that, but it gets hot. Yeah, it gets hot. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Florida humid. But, no, 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 no. But it, just, it gets hot, but yeah. it was still gorgeous. I mean, it was just, it was nice. And I'll, yeah. I've been there in the winter, too, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it is brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we go, we go way back and, 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 and recently we've connected a little bit, um, throughout the year on some of Sean's Facebook posts that I, I've, I've, um, I've liked and, and I've commented on. And then, and then recently I, I saw a post that he was, he was promoting the, the quarterback club locally. And that's when we really kind of reconnected yep. and we talked about, you know, doing this podcast. Cause uh, what, what position do you hold with the quarterback club? Uh, I'm on two committees. I'm on the 50, 50 raffle committee. Uh-huh. Um, that is purely strategic for me. I get to shake hands with basically everybody that walks in there. So it's uh put my name with my face type of yeah. thing. There's 254 guys there. Uh, and I believe one gal. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to get to know them all by name, um, obviously for the the business end of it. Um, and I'm also on the uh, so what else am I on? Oh, the membership committee. So it is part of my responsibility to bring in new members. Nice. Uh, so that's why you'll see me occasionally promoting it on Instagram or on Facebook. And he succeeded with me. He got me. To, he got me to do it. All the years I've been invited to do it, <laughs> I've never done it. Even Robbie Kennerson would, you got to come, man. You got to come. Okay, okay. It's hard to say no to Robbie. (laughs) It's hard to say no to Robbie. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so uh, he invited me to to join. I did. And, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to come Monday because my son had a football game, a makeup game from Hurricane Irma. I would much rather do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, um, you know, uh, so, and and Sean wanted to also uh, just – 
talk about a, a, a myriad of different things, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about uh, specifically is um, uh, your health and your insurance company. Mm-hmm. I want to get into a little bit of that sure. uh, as it applies to you know what you're doing and the services you offer because I, I, I uh, I've used you in the past prior to my um, uh, my employment. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. But prior to that, he did help me and my wife out. And so just kind of share a little bit about Sean Brown Insurance. It's um, it's a long story that I, I'll try to keep as brief as possible. You can take as long as you want, dude. <laughs> Whatever. You, I, I just, no you know, it, it, who wants to talk about insurance? Insurance is boring. But if I tie in some of my own story to it, maybe it'll it'll add some excitement to it. So um, as you probably recall, I was with AT&T. Yep, selling cell phones and a manager. I'd always go for, see you. I, I was there for seven years or so. Um, and I did well enough in that industry that people just associated me and my name, Sean Brown, to cell phones, uh, which was great. That's a commission-based business, and they come in, they buy, you know, they buy cell phones from you, so that was cool. Um, but over time, I get tired of the politics and the hierarchy of corporate America. Oh, um, tell me about I it. I am, Chris, you probably know this about me. I'm not a brown noser. And I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And I'm an opinionated guy. And it just, uh, when you're in that, that type of industry, that works for so long. And then eventually, they don't want to hear your crap anymore. Because mm. um, you're, you're not brown-nosing. You're not sucking up to who you, you need to suck up to. And in this instance, there was one uh, area manager there that's good at what she does. Don't get me wrong. Um, but she was there for a long time. Mm. And we butted heads often. Um, not enough that it ever impacted my job or my performance or her performance or anything like that, but we just closed door meetings. We butted heads and that's just how it was. Um, so over time I, I sort of realized, you know, I don't want to do this forever. Um, and my daughter had been born just previously. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I just decided, okay, uh, after a couple of friends of mine, I, I want to give a specific shout out to Eric Largent. Um, he called me about a year prior to me leaving the company and and he was working with Humana, this insurance group doing Medicare for a while. And he, uh, I had hired him years ago at finish line when we were like 18, 19, um, in the mall, in the mall. I think I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I had hired him at finish line and Eric had always done well in his life and in his ventures, really talented guy. Um, so he called me and he, and he said, Sean, you know, he worked for AT&T as well. Actually it was singular prior, but he, he called me, and said, Sean, you know, I'm working with Humana now. I've been here for a year or two. I'm, I'm making good money. I really like what I'm doing. They're not huffing down my back. And um, it's just a lot better career than what you're doing now. And he's like, and you hold a certain talent that maybe you want to consider going into this type of profession. I said, all right, sorry about that. We had a slight technical difficulty. The, the program I'm using just stopped recording. So we're going to try and pick up where we left off. So I apologize for that. Um, so we are, we are back to Sean's story of how he got into insurance. Go ahead, Sean. Okay. Um, so I believe I was, uh, referring to Eric Large in a conversation with him and he, he reached out to me. I remember sitting in my truck in the parking lot of AT&T during a lunch break and he calls and he mentions, you know, Medicare and Humana and all this, and you should get a license, et cetera. So, um, there had been, Eric had come to me and said that you, you know, you hold some talents that, that probably make this industry make sense for you. And, um, shortly after that, one of my customers, Peter Matulis of Brown and Brown says the same thing. Um, shortly. After and that's the, a, when, when you have somebody like, I, I want to say this earlier, when we have somebody like a Brown and Brown with that type of yeah, reputation, and come it, in and say it, that's a pretty good indicator. He's a higher up there too. Yeah. So that was, um, uh, flattering 
to say the least. Yeah. When when he says that, and then I think it it got real when Robbie Kennerson uh, uh, approached me about you know you you should get into insurance. You you hold the right skill set for that. Um, and then now you know that's three people now at least at the, at the least that have said it. But those are probably three most important people that that mentioned that. I said okay, this is this is something I should pursue. So I get a license. Um, it took about a month. And then I held that license for about a year and a half and did nothing with it. Um, maybe out of fear, maybe just leaving the nine to five job. Who knows what it was? But I just didn't do anything with it. I know I had a an interview with uh, Humana that went extremely well. I had an interview with Brown and Brown that they actually offered me a position. I turned it down. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, I interviewed at Brown and Brown, and um, when they br- did you did, did they bring you to the little stone carving thing and ask you what it was? I don't recall that. So I went through, and, and they actually told me that I was that I was not a good candidate for them. <laughs> but so it was funny. So I go and interview, do the whole thing with Decker Youngman and all these guys, right? Uh-huh. They, and they take me out to. I did like two or three interviews, and they bring me back. And I don't want to get you off track, but I think it's funny to note. So they bring me to this hieroglyph stone, and they said, "Can you tell us what this says?" And I looked at it, and I, I started like trying to figure out what it could possibly say in hieroglyph, you know, hieroglyphics, and this Egyptian writing, right? And I said, you know, guys, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. And and one of the guys says, your ass is always on the line here. They, uh, he did show me that. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. Now, yep. So I was just like, ah, and you know, looking back, like a week later, somebody ended up. Well, I don't want to go into the detail. Yeah, so. I actually think um, <laughs> maybe it helped me. I think I did know the answer to that. I had heard it prior somewhere else or something. Like that. So I did know the answer to that. Yeah, I uh, I interviewed with them. It went well, um, but uh, I remember the hiring manager, uh, or no, actually, it wasn't the hiring manager. Maybe it was going to be my superior or something along that, those lines. During the lunch, I was just like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. I could just kind of look across the table and go, We're going to have issues, um, and I, um, I I don't recall his name, and I wouldn't say it anyway but yeah. yeah it was just uh i turned it down and and then i started pursuing humana and then that was right when aca had become the law of the land they went a hiring freeze immediately humana did because they they didn't know what was going to happen oh. the law. so after they had um it, we're talking the day after i interviewed they go on a hiring freeze <sighs> so that delayed my uh path to insurance for maybe another six months or a year or so until Clyde Hallman um had approached me and and said hey you know you really should consider going to this company financial design associates in Jacksonville they sell whole life insurance and they'll teach you about financial planning all this sort of stuff and I said you know that sounds interesting that's um sort of what I had in mind but he said ultimately you really need to join it just for the training program it's going to teach you how how to run a practice um so he ends up uh convincing me not to worry about week-to-week paychecks and nine to fives and take a risk do what it. what a what a nice you know <laughs> and i've got a nine-month-old at the time so oh my goodness so hey that's uh, a sweet deal that's yeah. it you got to take that deal yeah so he's a good dude so my uh my wife uh just thank god i have, I have an incredible wife and she's super supportive and she she has a good career. She makes, you know, enough money that we could get by. I could pull my 401k, pull my pension, literally make no money. Um, I sold, you know, maybe a few policies. I had some ins with some attorneys in town, so sold a few to some attorneys. Um, and I had some, some good luck, but I, the, the long-term, 
vision of selling whole life insurance in Volusia County, uh, it seemed bleak. Um, because Volusia County, I don't see as a forward-thinking culture. Uh, we're beachgoers, right. we're flip-flops and shorts, and we're just not the type to think about tomorrow, we think about today. So I, I knew that in, even with attorneys in, in town, it's like, man, these guys aren't even thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I started to realize, you know, this is going to be difficult. So it was, am I just going to exclusively work out of Jacksonville or Orlando? And uh, I don't want to travel. Really quick, what is the difference between whole life and not to get into the details, but I have term. Yeah. I have term life. What's the difference between term and whole life? You basically already said term is a specific period of time. Uh, Most common is 20 years, but you have 10 years, 5 years, 30 years, et cetera. And then it ends. Um, and at that point, either your premium skyrockets or you have to reapply. And at that point, you're older, higher risk, and then you're going to have a higher premium. Mm, makes sense. So if you get whole life while you're young and healthy, it's cheap, and you can keep it your entire life, your whole uh, life. Um, which gotcha. ultimately, you may want to leave a legacy or just reduce it to a burial policy down the road or whatever. So that's the difference. Um, so term is the best thing, in my opinion, this purely opinion, Um I think it's the best thing to start with is have term to cover your mortgage, cover your cars, cover uh, if you've got kids, their um, their expenses when it's going to come to, God forbid, if you're ever gone, you, there's going to be babysitters. There's going to be, you right. know, support and support costs money. So sure. you're going to need money to replace that. Otherwise, your family's going to have to up and move to a smaller house in a not-so-nice community and it's going to change the whole way of life for your kids and your spouse. Makes and, sense. And it what's awful is there's this situation far too often where um, a family will lose the the father or the breadwinner. It could be the father, it could be the, the mother, but the breadwinner is gone and the, the, uh, the living spouse is sort of forced to get back into another relationship as quickly as possible because they need to supplement that income and that might not be the best. Sure person in their household with their kids so my goodness yeah. so we it's don't think about this have stuff it. yeah, yeah. So. i mean i know that i have it i didn't know the difference between i think i can only get term through my employer yeah employer yeah. but um and i max it out you know i get as much as that's, i possibly can great. because you, you know because it's, cause it's cheap. so cheap yeah, yeah it's, it's cheap. like mm-hmm. um but no, so that's what you started with you started selling whole whole life okay yeah which people perfect scenario right there people don't really know what it's for or why why they need it um and some of them retain cash value, and you can, like, literally create a, a retirement plan out of it. Um, we don't know if Social Security is going to be there down the road. Most companies don't have pensions anymore, so it's just, you know, something to help you. Um, so anyway, in Volusia County, I knew that was going to be a tough sell. So how long do I want to do this? Um, had some luck, not as much as I'd like, though any luck in your first nine months is probably uh, a good thing, I guess, because <laughs> most people fail in, in that line of work re- relatively mm-hmm. quickly. Um, so I end up running into Robbie Kennerson again. Out and about, I think we're at Ocean Deck or something along those lines. We're having a good time, and, and he uh, brings up that he thinks what I'm doing is going to be difficult. He says, well, Sean, I think you'll do well at it, but I think you can do better doing something else. And he mentions Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Uh, he says, there, you know, this is a new thing. Nobody knows about it. 2008? No. Not, well, no, that, 2000... the law passed years ago, but yeah. it, 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 I think 2010 it actually 10. passed. Okay. But it didn't really take effect until 13. 13, okay. Yeah, something okay. like that. Gotcha. So um, 
he says, you know, this is something you should probably study and get familiar with. It seems like nobody really knows anything about it except for biased points of view from True. CNNs and MSNBC and, and Fox. And they're, you know, ultimately I start to study it. And, and, and I spent about three months trapped in an office and just studied the life out of it. And I start to realize CNN's lying to me. Fox is lying to me. MSNBC is lying to me. You're reading the words. <laughs> they are all lying to me about who this is really for, who it's helping, who it's not helping. Oh, my God. Um, so all of a sudden now I'm a subject matter expert on something that everybody has a misconception about, no matter what side of the political spectrum you were on. So I said, okay, I am a good advocate for this at this point. I, I'm willing to jump out there and tell everybody who it's going to hurt and it was going to hurt the upper middle class. Just, it was going to hurt them. Um, but it was going to tremendously help the working lower class. Um, and I don't, I don't mean non-working. That was a big uh, misconception out there that if you're indigent and you don't work, that you're going to get free healthcare and all this crap. That's not true. You had to have a minimum income of $12,000. So you had to be working, but it was more of a, you know, Walmart type gig. You know, if you work at Walmart and you're making eight bucks an hour working 40 hours a week, this is going to help you. Um, that those aren't exact figures, but I think you get the point. Um, so I knew it could help some people. It could really help small business owners tremendously. Uh, and I noticed that um, hairstylists, bartenders, servers, yep. uh, maintenance people, especially if they're 1099 or independent contractors, independent contractors that are you know, they, realtors, right. They might have a gross income of 80 grand, but after the deductions, it's really 15. So these are a lot of people that I know. These are hairstylists, bartenders, small business owners that can really benefit from this. And we're a conservative area. Most of us are listening to Fox and most of us are listening to Fox saying how much this is going to hurt us. And we didn't realize that, wow, this can help us while it's here. We kind of all knew that at some point there would be a change in administration and they're going to try and get rid of this. But while it's there, let's take advantage. Um, So I started really marketing that on Facebook and had some success right away. Uh, Some people started reaching out to me and, you know, started writing policies and all this, but not to uh, my own uh, standards. So I have a conversation with Robbie and I say, you know, this is going pretty well, but I feel like I can do a lot better with this. A lot of people are still associating me with cell phones. And Robbie comes up with the idea, well, create a Facebook business page and call it Sean Brown Insurance. That's going to tie the name Sean Brown to insurance. And then all of a sudden now you're an expert and people will just, you know, commit to that. And I said, okay, well, give it a shot. It seems a little uh, arrogant. I don't know how comfortable I am with that, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, So I do it. And it wasn't because, uh, you know, again, the arrogance of it, calling anything after yourself, I always thought was just kind of. I don't know. I, I never really liked the idea of it, but I understood his point of view. On I don't take it as arrogance at all. Just just to give you my two cents. At the time, it, I did. I, I uh, see. I see it as an entrepreneur <laughs> taking a crack. I mean, if you you know, most of the people that know me knows that I know that I try to throw as much as I can against the wall and whatever sticks sticks. You know. Yeah. So I don't take it that way at all. I, as a matter of fact, I I, I used you as a resource personally. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Uh, well, there were some fears with it too because I never owned a business, so. Now, yeah. if I'm going to own a business, I'm putting my name on the business in the town I'm from. What if it fails? What if I screw this up? And now my name is associated with a failure. So oh, that, yeah. there was some fear in that. Um, sure. But, but I said, Robbie, I think you're right. Let's do this. Let's see how it works. So I start the business page and boom, things just explodes. I learn how to market on social media, which I just seem to have a knack for. 
um, and everything takes off, takes off. Within three, four months, I had 100 clients uh, through the first open enrollment. I went, oh, my gosh, I'm on to something. I have 100 clients in three months. What, what am I going to have in two years? Um, so I went through the next open enrollment, probably picked up another 100, 150, and things just really took off. And then all of a sudden I needed help, and now I'm trying to hire people, and this was like a whole weird stage in my life. Um, I went through hiring a few people, um, wasn't really successful. It's really hard to find motivated people again in Volusia County. It's a beach town. I get that. Um, so we think beach, we, we definitely think, yeah, beach. it's just, it, it just <laughs> is what it is. And I'm from here too. I mean, I, I'm in flip flops and shorts every day, so I, I get it. Um, so thank God that an old, old friend of mine, Joe DeSillis comes about and he is, um, a lot of people listening probably already know who Joe is, but Joe is a wildly high intellect. Uh, he was an honors program at UF. He was IB at Spruce Creek High School. He, uh, he, he, he was at a point in his life where he was a single dad raising two kids, one of them special needs. Uh, he was working for a good friend of ours, Brian Barker, um, with Barkerscape. So he learned an office environment uh, for a short period of time there. Um, but Joe wanted an opportunity to make more money and work more flexible hours to spend with his kids. And he could see what I was doing. I was working from home a lot. Um, I had an office, but I really was only at the office once or twice a week. I would stack appointments in the same day, and I could spend three days, sometimes four, at home um, writing applications over the phone or just marketing the business in general or just whatever, trying to grow the business. So Joe caught wind of that and said, this is something he wants to try to do. Um, Bo Adams, who was my roommate in college. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, we, uh, we always talked about the potential of Joe DeSillis, mostly when he wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we said that there's Joe has this wild potential, and Bo and I have always been sort of entrepreneurial-minded for years and years and years. And um, we said, we've got to figure out a way to utilize Joe, not just as a friend, because he's the most loyal, unbelievable friend that you could ever imagine. But what if we could use him in business when he's loyal and he's smart and he's charismatic and he can talk to anybody? Um, so how do we do it? And then all of a sudden the bell went off. I can use Joe within my agency. And I knew there was some risk with it. Joe is... Well, anytime I, you go into business with friends yeah, and stuff, there's, you know, it's, it's, there's risk there. And Joe is a six foot three, 255-pound machine. Yeah. Um, I he, saw him. I saw him. It's been a while now, but I saw him in and around town, and we yeah. connected for a half He is minute. a big, He's intimidating a big man. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're in the world of insurance, that isn't necessarily what you're looking for. Right. Um, so it was like, okay how do I use Joe, all his his skill sets, and not scare the crap out of little old ladies with this big giant guy? So it was get him on the phones. I don't know how well you know Joe, but Joe can talk to an executive of a major corporation and speak his language. Joe can talk to a surfer dude down by the pier and speak his language. He can talk to anybody. Chameleon. It, it really is. To, to adapt. Yeah, yeah. he's just he, he, because Joe is just a humble, good guy at his core, but he's intellectual enough to talk to anybody. Um, so I said, put him on the phone. And we did that. We put him on the phone, and he struggled for two months. He really had a tough time. He would oversell and do all these things. I was trying to help him. And um, eventually he started really listening to what I was telling him, and all of a sudden, boom, Joe erupts. Last year he did amazing. He finished uh, with one of the local health insurance companies here. He finished in their top five in his first year. And now we're on to something. We've got two of us that are really good at what we do, and we trust each other. 
Um, so we've just been able to to work as a team. He automatically was put on salary, which is unheard of in in uh, in the commission insurance. based business. Yeah, it's just unheard of. But I knew that Joe needs to have an income, and uh, I can't just have him, or he can't just not have an income for six to twelve months. And still support his his children. So uh, I started thinking, okay, how can I do this? I don't have a whole ton of capital, but I know that I have to have Joe. I know that I have to have him. So I um, used some of my connections and ended up getting with a, with a bank and got a, an amazing deal on a line of credit. And now I can afford to pay Joe for six months um, a salary and not come out of the budget of the uh, the agency and not come out of my family's budget. So now we've got a shot. So Joe ends up doing extremely well. He ends up paying off that entire line of credit within, I think it was within a year. And now we're just doing great. Both of us are, are really, really doing well. And we've been able to bring on two new agents here in the last, uh, uh, two months that look like they're going to be excellent, that we're attracted to our business model. Um, we've expanded. Now we've got virtual offices in Lake Mary, in Brevard, in Palm Coast, in Charleston, South Carolina. And oh, wow. Yeah, and we intend on going to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and just keep going. So, no, let me ask you a question, because I, I want to kind of dive in to a little bit of the ACA and all the sure. news that we're hearing right now with all the— yeah. You know that they're trying to pass in Congress. So first off, you uh, so you with your license, you can sell sell across state lines, or are you utilizing the agent's license for those satellite offices? I I have to get separate licenses for each state that I intend on on writing business. So um, getting a license in another state, non-resident license, it's just money. Okay. You, you, I mean, if you if you've done all the coursework and the exam and and the background checks in your home state, then. Those states usually communicate and say, "Okay, he's he's good here. He should be good there." And then you pay him a you know a fee, and then you get licensed in that area. Some states require you to retest, which isn't a big deal. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, that that's awesome. I mean, that's so from my perspective. So I've been in medical device industry since 2010 um, on the manufacturing side. Mm-hmm. And what I what correct me if you think this theory's off, but I think that the the impetus for the ACA, the, the Obamacare being enacted, um, it, from my vantage point was this, is that when I got into the industry, uh, major medical device corporations uh, were not investing in R&D. Uh, they were um, uh, asking for 60 and 90-day payment terms to pay their bills to our company for the, the products they were manufacturing. And and it started making me think, I th- that the ACA was being, for multiple reasons, but this is one isolated reason. And the reason why I say that is because there's a medical device tax mm-hmm. embedded in that yep, law. A big one. Um, is, is that we needed legislation to essentially grease the skids of the, the entire healthcare industry to help, help um, uh, pay bills. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that is that What's different from car insurance, as far as I can see, compared to that of health insurance, is that with healthcare, your hospitals and doctors are compelled to provide service, absolutely. Whether you're whether you are covered or not. Whereas in a, you know car insurance, we're not compelled to fix our car if we get into an accident. Yeah, 
there's, true. It, there's it, 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 you fix it or you don't, mm-hmm. right? With with if someone's broken, yeah. if you will, someone's sick, someone's hurting, someone got into an accident, they're not covered. We're still compelled, yeah, for to provide care. And I know exp- how expensive devices are. I know ex- how expensive doctors are. And I started to add things up, and and it started to make me realize, wait a second, if there's not a payer at the end of this treatment, a hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar hospital bill, then the hospitals can't pay their their suppliers, which yep. is the medical device companies, their doctors. Is, and so what happens is I started to see that that the gumming up of the gears of the entire healthcare industry needed something. It needed to be the, the, the skids to be greased, if you will, to, to, um, to revitalize it and to get money back into R and D and all this stuff. And so I saw it from that standpoint. I was like, wait a second. I know it sucks, right? Because yeah. I'm healthy. What do I need to pay yeah. thousands of dollars a year? F- I think for- about this all the time. But from that perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that a, you know, one of the theories potentially that, I think that's totally fair. It's a perspective that I don't see. I'm not in in uh, in the industry that you're in. I'm not in medical billing, so I don't see what happens at the hospital after somebody wrecks their bike. They don't have health insurance. They got to pay eighty grand to fix them up. Who's paying that in the back end? I would assume it's a taxpayer somewhere or some some sort of insurance. Yeah, I I, I don't know that answer. Um, so this basically, yeah, you you said it. It greased the wheels and it kind of just got things rolling ar- along. This and it was wasn't a, an ever intended to be perfect from the get-go. No, no, and this was a first shot at it. Yeah, you know, so it's it it it's far from perfect. It's actually it's actually bad in a lot of ways. Um, however, there are certain people that it really, 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 really helped. Um, that, like I said, when you know the conservative channels, and I am a conservative guy for the most part i I consider myself a a right-leaning moderate i guess that makes me somewhat conservative Mm -hmm. um so the conservative outlets were just saying this is bad for you and it's bad for everybody and i remember bill o'reilly one night saying this law was created for people that don't work don't intend to work and never will work and it's just giving them free health care wow was that a total false fabrication lie you have to in order to qualify for any sort of subsidy you have to have an income of at least 12 grand if you're a single person, if you're married, it's 16 or so. Um, so that was, they were not telling the truth, and they were getting people to basically preying on their fears and their their prior frustrations to get them angry enough to revolt against it. And, and now we're starting to see these new bills hit the floor that aren't going to work either. Right. Um, and the reason why they're not going to work is is in the ACA, they, they put in uh, pre-existing conditions don't matter. There's no underwriting. If you apply during open enrollment, you're automatically approved. Well, think of that as from the insurer's point of view. If they bring on somebody that already has cancer, all of a sudden they're two hundred grand in the rear in arrears. So, who's going to pay for that? The consumer. Consumer has to pay for that. So, as long as that pre-existing con- conditions clause, which has been in the last three bills, is in there, they're just going to continue to rise. Health insurance costs are going to continue to rise. So whenever these bills hit the floor, as long as that's there, it's not going to get cheaper. Don't listen to the bull crap. Well, only thing that comes to mind is if we opened up state guidelines or the, the, the markets across states. So that's one of the other things that I think is – Yeah, because yeah. I can go to 
any car insurance company nationwide and get my car insurance from a company in Washington State mm-hmm. if I wanted to. Yeah. You can't do that with health insurance. Well, that's not entirely true. Okay. Um, so let's use Humana, for example. Humana's all over the country. Right, but they're... But Humana is going to charge you a rate based on where you live, just yeah. the same as a car insurance company does. If you live in South Florida, it's more expensive to have car insurance because there's more uninsured motorists. If you live in Volusia County versus Orlando, you may pay more because there's just a higher rate of sick people and older people. So it's it's still, even if it's across state lines, you're still going to be looking at local demographics. They're going to play a, a role in what the cost is going to be. Will it help? Yeah, totally. It will help. Now, right now, you can go outside of ACA and you can go across state lines and, and, and purchase plans, um, but they're still going to look at that local demographic. Now, one of the things that, you know, uh, why I was leaning towards Gary Johnson during the elections. As was I at a point. Uh, at a point. Yeah. At a point. Until he rolled Until Aleppo. <laughs> Aleppo. <laughs> and then he was rolling Aleppo? on the stage <laughs> pretending to have a heart attack. Uh, which was funny. Yeah, which was funny. Uh, but it was just like, okay. Yeah, we you can't know. have a leader doing that. Yeah. Uh, well. That well yeah, yeah, they're right. The whole number tops. <laughs> <laughs> so... But one of the things I like about what he was saying was the open market yeah. for med- And if we had open market in healthcare, we would have prices posted, um, you know, break a bone. Set, X amount. X amount of yeah. dollars. You, you, whatever. Mm-hmm. The list goes on. Knee surgery, this much, yep. you know, and, and so forth. And we don't have that. No. And because we don't have that, price. everything's a hidden price. And, and, and that also is driving up the cost. And then, of, of course, course yeah. then, you, uh, then you have... On top of that, the you know the litigious um, society that we live in, everything's a lawsuit, and we have all those things. And some of those things are justified. I've been I've been party to a lawsuit that was a justified lawsuit against a major corporation. Yeah, so you know there are things that are justified, but there's also things that you know that aren't that are that are factors in this this whole thing too. So, um, what do you think the net result is going to be on the new the new bill? Is it going to de- be dead on arrival? They'll figure it out. They will. Something's, oh, they, oh, you're talking about this Graham Cassidy? Yeah. It's dead. Well, yeah. It's dead. And now, there's a point where sometime prior to 2018 elections, they're going to have to put something out there. Otherwise, they've had this campaign promise that if this backfires on them, it could be really bad. Um, but it, again, at the same time, if they put out a junk bill, it's going to backfire in 2020, not 2018. So it's do they want to put something out there just to get it out there to save their ass in 2018, or do they want to put out something solid to get reelected in 2020 <sighs> who knows i mean it's it's politics it's who knows i mean i i remember in this last election um in in may of last year i, I go to a few friends and i said you know what donald trump's gonna win this election not because i was supporting him i was you know i was i ultimately ended up supporting Kasich, oh. right-leaning moderate right that's what i am sure um so not because i i I necessarily supported him, though there's many views that I do support of his. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember going to some friends. I said, he's going to win this thing. They said, you are absolutely crazy. This is Hillary's, and it's all corrupt, and they're going to rig the elections and all this stuff. I said, no, no, no. Just freaking drive down Peninsula, and there is a Trump poster on every house from the low-income areas to the high-income areas. He's attracting everyone. He's mm-hmm. going to win this election. Sure enough, he did. Um, I had no clue. Who so was that makes me think when 2020 comes, can he win again even without a new health care law? He might be able to. So we'll see.
Yeah, I guess we'll see, man. I, you know, it's tough. It's tough to. I don't think he's doing anything on a daily to help. You know, his chances of uh, he has good days and bad days. We all do. Yeah, <laughs> he just might have some more bad ones than good. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And I and I and I, and a lot of my friends know this. I voted for him because I've, I not because I wanted to. I was against him. Yes. For, I recall. Yeah, uh, yeah all, all the way through. I was against him, but I, I knew it was going to be one or the other. And I knew for a fact I didn't want the other, the personally. Other. I, I knew for a know. fact I didn't want so the other. So for us, it was, you know, it was that type of vote. It wasn't a vote in support. It was a vote against. And yeah. that's the way we looked at it. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, we're kind of stuck with, you know, the decisions of that. But, you know, let's 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 move on to a couple of different things. Sure. Um, uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about, by the way, did you did you end up going skydiving? Oh, gosh, no. My brother did. He did? Um, okay. Yeah, my brother did. What happened was that, uh, which I've, I've been skydiving seven, eight times. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my brother did. He invited me to go, but on a whim the night before, uh, my wife and I ended up going to Orlando. Like, last-minute decision. We're going to go have a date in Orlando. Hey, you got to take those nights. Yeah, and uh, we went out and met uh, Joe Paterni and his, his girlfriend um, out in Orlando. We had an amazing time, and it... By the time we got home, it was 2.30 in the morning. I was not going skydiving no. at 8 a.m. No. Heck so, no. <laughs> so my brother calls me at like 7 a.m. He's like, you on your way? I was like, buddy, ain't going happening. Catch uh, you next time. Dude, I got to tell you, man. So we were out there. My son was at a, a Stetson football camp. Um, he's a freshman this year at, at Creek, and so he was out there at this camp. So it's the weirdest thing. So we're standing there, and I turn around because we're out by the airport, and I see these guys – coming down you know and one guy's coming really fast with this like parachute like flapping in the in the wind yeah. and i'm like it's tied up mm, that's not good and my wife's like his parachute's not open i was like no it'll open in a second yeah that's fine and then these guys all the guys around him were like spinning really fast to keep up with him mm-hmm. and he dropped behind the tree line and never uh, he never deployed fully and i'm assuming he ended up you know, passing. I don't. I don't know. But that was like at the, at the beginning of summer. So when I that was <laughs> this year. That was wow, this year. I did not hear about that. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe he lived. I don't know. I don't know. We got really distracted. At the, it was so weird. Two seconds later, unfortunately, there's a kid on the football field that got hit and broke his neck. Oh my god. So we had the helicopter fly in a few minutes after that whole incident. It was just a kind of a weird that afternoon. A, yeah, that's wild. Um. So when you posted that, I was like, oh man. I don't, you know, I, I but had, I didn't know you I had, had a scare once. Did you? Yeah. Um, I have never uh, been skydiving solo. Um, Always You've got to take a course. Uh, it's maybe two to three grand. You got to buy a shoot, all this kind of stuff. And I was never, especially with the business, never at a point in my life where I wanted to put out the money. And I sure wasn't quite interested enough to go do it all the time. Uh, my brother-in-law, Chris, does it regularly. And my buddy, Eric, that we talked about, does it regularly. A um, few other friends do it regularly. But it just... I just never crossed that bridge. Um, but I was tandem uh, two or three years ago. Um, and I'm a big guy for the most part. I weigh about 222, um, bordering six foot. And uh, these these guys that you typically tandem with, they're all pretty small. They're all 5'8 and oh, really? 160. So <laughs> they're like, like a big baby. You know? Yeah, they're like little hippie vegans. And I'm, you know, I'm, like, yeah, I'm like this monster that they have to like strap onto my back. Which, is, As a matter of fact, the funniest thing, the first time I went skydiving, I stood up and, and the guy was off his feet. Oh, and I just hilarious. walked off with him like he didn't even do anything. I just jumped off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so Kicking and screaming back behind you. So... 
there was this one time that I went, and this guy was my size. Um, and there is a cutoff. I think it's 225, and I weigh about 222. And this guy was bigger than 225. He was probably 240, 250. So we're pushing uh, – help me on the math on that, 470? Four, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got 470 pounds or so. And we jump, and um, everything started fine with the initial shoot goes that sort of slows you down uh, before you pull the main shoot. Well, when he pulls the main shoot, it tangled, and I could sense his panic um, because he's already dealing with me, which is a big guy, plus he's a big guy, so there's right. a heck of a lot of weight going. Right. Um, so I could feel his panic, and uh, I could I could feel him wrestling around with the ropes and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I remember talking to my brother-in-law. There's just, there is a technique to undoing it. So he was going through that process and didn't uh. alarm me, but I could feel it. You know, you can feel somebody's heart rate shoot through the roof even when you're plummeting at 150 miles an hour, however quick, however fast it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had a scare without really knowing there was a scare. He told me when we got to when we got to the ground, he's like, did you feel what was going on? And I said, yeah, because we started spinning. He looked at you and said, I'm glad you made it, man. <laughs> yeah. We started spinning, and that was like my fifth time doing it. So I knew when we were spinning that it wasn't yeah. normal. Um, but I just... I don't know. I trust him. So yeah. I didn't panic and just he figured Well, what out. I hear too is that the first like 10 seconds or whatever is like, ah, and then it, and then it's like pretty. I think the free fall, it's tough to say because yeah. you're going through it, how much time actually goes yeah. by, but it's probably about 30 seconds to 60 yeah. seconds of free fall, yeah. which is a massive adrenaline rush, um, which is cool. But if you, if you try to if you try to look past the adrenaline and just look at the landscape, it, man, it can, it can change your week. You know, if you just look out at the water, I've heard, look yeah. at the roads, look for your house, just spend your time up there like you would in a plane, but you're getting that cold rush of air on your face. And it's just, you know, with the adrenaline and all that stuff, it's a, it's a pretty cool experience. I've heard, I've heard it's amazing. I had a friend that was certified to do it. And, and so the forth. scariest part is when the shoot actually deploys. Cause it, it, pulls you real hard uh, it's this abrupt pull and you know all the harnesses are safe and everything but you, you feel it yeah you might get a little pinch in the button and the and the, <laughs> the, the boys but um uh, that's that's a little bit scary and then then when you're actually when the shoot's deployed and you're just coming down slowly oh it's beautiful it's just it's just stunning gives you a chance for you know just some uh perspective yes uh, absolutely and you're up there with some guy you don't even know but you're not even thinking about him being there you're right just, you're just thinking about you which you know, that, so that leads me to the next thing because uh, you know, we both of us recently went through this the Hurricane Irma, mm -hmm. and uh, now I evacuated, uh, but uh, I'm assuming you stayed. We uh, stuck it out. Yep. Um, and you know, in hindsight, that was probably you know best decision. We 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 had some difficulties traveling that were no fun, uh, but but you know we all made it through. But you made a, a Facebook post that you you know you there's it just says. Uh, you know, between Harvey and Irma, there, a lot of lives have been changed dramatically for the worse. We really, really got lucky here, and uh, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about that tonight. So you, you had you had some time to think about, you know, once again, perspective mm -hmm. on um, on what's happening. And you know, uh, tell tell me some of the thoughts you were having when you when you were thinking about that. And you know, we sometimes we need natural disasters or these calamities to really kind of set us back in emotion on what's important. What's real, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I have a, I have a friend in Houston. Um, his name is, uh, Gista G. 
Jista G. Jista G. His name is Sean. He's actually with Bone Thugs and Harmony. No. Um, yeah, I met him. Uh, out hold on, in... hold on. He was one of the originals. No, he's not an original. Oh. No, no, he just works with them. Um, oh. He's in their band, but here I think it's here and there, sporadic, whatever. Got it. But uh, I I talked to him uh, the day after the storm, I believe, and he said, "Man, Sean, it's it's pretty bad out here. This is pretty crazy." And 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 his name is Sean as well. Um, he lived in New Orleans during Katrina. Oh, wow. So this guy's been hit twice. And, uh, you know, he's he's got flooding going on. He's looking at all his friends and his family are going through all this stuff for the second time in his life. Um, so that put things into perspective. And then a, a, a very close friend of mine is planning a wedding in Isla Mirada next month. And, you know, everything's all set out, and they've, they've got their resort booked, and they've got all the plans done, and my wife is the maid of honor and all this stuff, and... Um, we come to find out Isla Mirada and the keys itself just got leveled. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about her and, you know, she's playing, trying to plan a wedding and that's, that's tough enough. But then I really started thinking about, well, what about the people who live there? Yeah. The you know, people that, you know, actually don't, aren't having a wedding for a weekend. They actually live there and they're devastated and their houses are gone. And, you know, the, there were statistics coming out that 80% of homes were damaged and 25% of homes were destroyed totaled gone so then i'm i'm looking at my yard and i'm like i've got two blown out fence panels and i gotta clean up like 12 palm froms why why, why are we bitching on the internet like so yeah and there was a lot of that and i I understand you know the power but we i think and we and we made a freaking hurricane political of course Oh, of yeah. course, we have to make it political. The news, this is all fake. <laughs> we literally have people saying that Hurricane Irma is fake. It's a liberal conspiracy to sell batteries and gasoline. Oh, and don't worry, gosh. it's not even coming and all this stuff. And we, people you and I know are posting this on Facebook. And I'm just like, what is happening? So, you know, that has nothing to do with climate change, though. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> climate whole other cha- deal. Okay, climate That's change all- does not cause storms. It See, contributes a, to storms. Uh, yes, so, <laughs> I agree with you. 100%. I'm not a scientist, but it's it. it come on, it, we, we know that this this isn't you know just whatever. Let's let's not even go to let's not yes. But I agree. No, climate change does not create <laughs> hurricanes. It only strengthens them. Exactly. So um, hurricanes, who knows how long prior to us tracking them have existed? Oh yeah. I mean, and that's the that's the issue, yeah. right? Now, I do think that they do intensify them with the heating of the air and the water of and course, all that stuff. That, that that's and that's got to be attributed to climate change. Of I course. get it, yeah. but the propensity of these storms to continue to, to arise, I don't think is fully. No, of course not. Anyways, no, we just went twelve years without a major storm, right? Um, you know, it's it's a little ironic when we got smacked by three. Right. In a in a short period of time, not to mention Matthew last year was was pretty ugly. Right. Uh, which we got really fortunate on that one because remember that one was oh, coming man. as a direct hit, but the cape seems to save us each time that happens. It does. Um, it does. So yeah, it's probably a lot of coincidence that we're getting a bunch at the same time right here. Um, in ten years, we'll have another discussion and and you know compile the data and see what's really there. Uh, yeah, are they getting stronger? Probably. Is it affected by climate change? Probably. Is it affected by man-made climate change? Probably. But I'm not a scientist, and it's not my job to figure that out. I'm going to listen to the experts, and if the experts tell me that I can do things to help contribute to that, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I haven't had beef in two years. 
Really? I haven't had beef or pork in two years, but part of it is that. that really? The, the, the beef industry is contributing to that, so I'll do my part. I just won't have it. I'm already driving this you know, V8 monster truck. <laughs> That's your steak Yeah, it's there. already a jerk enough move that I do that. <laughs> so, all right, let me just cut out red meat. I felt weird about eating mammals anyway, so... There you go. Doing that. So there you go. Just do your part. You're not. Don't argue if it's real, if it's fake. All this crap. Leave that up to the experts, the people that went to school for it. Um, Leave it up to the politicians that are getting paid to tell you it's not real, or the politicians getting paid to tell you that it is real. I I just think it's you know I'm in the plastics industry, and so disposables, and and Uh um, and and I have a real gut check at times because the more I look around. We, you know, because we use the crude oil to to manufacture our our sure, our course. plastics, mm-hmm. so it's not just gas going into our car, right? It's every aspect of every part of our life. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you think about just all the plastic that's around you right now. You know, the microphone stands and the the, the printer, the computers, the bumpers on your car. You there's there we're, isn't we're beyond the point of return on plastic. Yeah, we're and and the plastics, unfortunately. Is a isn't is a a product made from the uh, crude oils, yeah. and so you know I don't know for I don't know what the alternative is. I think there's some good positive things happening, you know, moving us in that in that direction. But I, we digress a little bit, and a part of that I wanted to get back to uh, agreeing with you 100 percent that that you know these types of storms, these types of things do put perspective on our lives and makes us recognize what it made me recognize is that. Um, there is, there is a benefit to slowing down a little bit. Yeah. And I was going to do a podcast on my on busyness because oftentimes our response. I mean, this may be coming up. I may do this as episode twenty or something. It's just been I've been kind of it's been scratching my mind a little bit. The it, it forced me to slow down because mm-hmm. I constantly am doing something. You know, yeah. if it's not in the medical device, it's in real estate or for, or my podcast or whatever it is. And so I'm constantly like, you know, in, in the, in the throes of just busyness and, uh-huh. and I, and people ask me, how's it going? How you doing? And I'll say, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I'm busy, man. Just busy. Yeah. Just busy. And that's like, wait a second. That shouldn't be my response. It's not, it's not a good response. response should always be great. I'm great. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm really good, man. Thank yeah. you for asking or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my constant go-to is I'm busy. Yeah. And so what it gave me the perspective, you know, just new perspective on is, wait a second, it's okay to chill. My wife's been saying this forever. You just need to stop. Don't work. Mm-hmm. Shut down the computer. And as you can see, I'm like, what, 10 feet from my couch. Yeah. And I'm, I'm usually over here glancing at the TV and then going back and doing something online or, some, you know, some email or whatever. And, yeah. and it forced me to kind of just slow down and say, you know, having, having a rhythm to life and where it's not just, you know, go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And having a, a rhythm of uh, a pattern where I kind of slow down and I've been trying my best. So like on Friday nights, just put that cell phone away. I'm like, is it okay if I just not That's bring good. this? I'm and, glad you're doing that. and I do it through Saturday and I really do. And I don't come over here at all anymore during Saturday. Now, Sundays I'll come back in cause I'm trying to think for the week. Sure. What do I want to do? Right. Yeah. What do I want to accomplish? But that's what it gave me. It really, and, and of course, I'm appreciative of all, of all the other things you've already mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that our house, you know, and our families, everything was safe. Uh, because I've got friends in Puerto Rico that have just like, you know, it's, that's a that's a mess. That's and, a yeah, that one's bad. And I feel really, you know, yeah. almost responsible as a U.S. citizen, as a U.S. territory, yeah. that we should do something. But that's a whole nother political discussion. But um, yeah, we really we made it through, and there's a lot to be thankful for, and there's a lot there's a lesson there. For every one of us, right? There's yeah, a lesson there in, in our perception. So 
Last but not least, listen, I, we're, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get in everything before we have another technical difficulty with my computer, <laughs> but it seems to have been going on a good I, roll I, here. I think we fixed it. I yeah. think we might have fixed my computer. So we're, we're uh, uh, last topic that I want to talk about, just because it's hot, is the, the, the whole kneeling in F, NFL. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, I'm happy um, to talk about that. And uh, your thoughts there. You, your recent post says, uh, do I support your right to protest and disrespect our flag and national anthem? Yes, of course. Uh, do I have uh, Do I have to support you once you've done it? Hell no. That's the beauty of this country. Regardless, it's just as much a fad as uh, bell-bottom jeans or flock of seagulls haircuts. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, this too shall pass. And so yeah. what you're saying is that it, it's... It's more complicated than black and white. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it, all right, taking a, uh, kneeling during the National Anthem, let's remember that this started with Colin Kaepernick sitting during the National Anthem. Yes. Which, at that point, I took offense to it. I did. I'm not talking about everybody else. I took offense to it. Um, and then he was you know, berated by the media for that, and he said, you know what? You are right. You're right. It's wrong of me to sit, and it is disrespectful for me to sit. So I'm going to take a knee, and it sort of died for a little while. It I did. mean, it, it was it was it was still happening, but it it sort of died because everybody looked at it as, okay, well, he's still showing respect. Because remember, you played football, right? Yeah. What happens when somebody gets hurt? Take a knee. Take a knee. And you and you wait until they. It, it, you're showing respect to whoever that person is, whatever that object is. Take right. a knee. That that is still showing respect. Um, so he, he was started taking a knee and nobody really talked about it until it started to catch fire. And then now it's political and now it's really erupting. Um, well, it doesn't help that we're, you know, that the president is tweeting, well, you know, he's calling people a son of a bitch and stuff like that. Yeah. So. I mean, that, that doesn't, none of that helps, right? <laughs> none of that helps. Um, as a matter of fact, it keeps it inflamed. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's a smoke and mirrors thing where they keep uh, it inflamed and then they're doing is. something over here. Of course it is. It, it always is. Um, but you know, my perspective on it is they're taking a knee because there are social injustices. We're not going to sit here and kid ourselves that if I put on a black mask and I drive through Port Orange that I'm not going to be looked at differently than, you know, just driving home myself right now. That's just the truth. It is what it is. I have friends that are cops and they say that, yeah, we, we're, we notice sooner because of their skin color brings it up and it's not be, it's not because of their skin color it's because of the culture associated to their skin color um which that is where the the issue really lies is the the typical white male says to himself well you know crime is up in the black communities so they should be paying more attention to you well you know then you have the uh, you know a black kid doing everything by the book doing everything right you know Every, you know, staying away from crime, staying away from drugs, staying away from gangs, and he's still being profiled. He says to himself, I'm doing everything right, and I'm still being profiled. That sucks, and, and I don't know how and to solve— downright wrong. Yeah, I don't know how to solve that problem, because if you're a police officer, you're naturally going to just go, well, we are getting more crime from black communities, so it's just going to draw more attention. And then you look at the ones that are not participating in that, prime, that crime, and they're just getting completely screwed over— by that social injustice. So it's almost an unsolvable problem at this point until we really start talking about it, take the stupid politics out of it, and really start talking about there's an issue, how do we correct it? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we just don't do that anymore. It's this is my stance and I'm right and you're wrong and F you and blah, blah, blah. And, well, and that's in that, and therein lies a good point is that, you know, having the conversation about it. I have a, 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 a 
perpetual text conversation with uh, 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 with with my buddy Chase, um, who has who has differing views than I do, but we are constantly having the conversation, and he's helping shape my mind around certain things and maybe I'm helping shape his. He's been on the podcast a couple of times and, 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 and we butt heads, but we're having a conversation. And I always say this, I always say it's the, that old ancient wisdom, iron sharpens iron, right? Well, when you shine, you like it, like a, like a iron Smith, when you're sharpening iron with iron, what's the natural thing that happens? Sparks. Yeah. And if we can't live with the fact that there's going to be sparks and we're just going to be like, well, you hurt my feelings. That's a, mi- <laughs> that's a microaggression, what you're doing. And we can yeah. move past some of those things, yeah. that, you know, and we can have a conversation. It may be prickly. It may be the hot potato that you don't want to yeah. hold. But we've got to have the conversation have to, to get where, we, yeah. where we're going. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I'm conflicted on this particular subject with the NFL, too. You know, I do think that taking an E is their right. That they should be able to to be to protest however they see fit. I also think that if they're going to do that, there needs to be action beyond that. Using you know, they're, they're, some of these professional athletes are making tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, what can you do with your resources yeah. to affect change? And I, I think, agree, one hundred percent. I think that that's yeah. a, a big deal. I think that I I, I want to give some credit where credit is due. Um, do I wish all this didn't happen? Yes. Is it frustrating as a football fan to watch it and listen to all the politics getting wrapped up in football? And now football is taking a hit over it, like literal yeah. ratings drops. I know. Um, give credit where credit is due. The one that started this whole thing, Colin Kaepernick, which I, as of now, I wish he never did, but I understand why he did. He is contributing to the community. Um, there was uh, something out there that he, that, like through philanthropy, he's, he's giving a, a boatload. So I will give him credit for that. Uh, if he believes in something and he's willing to put his financial well-being on the line, I'll give him props for that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some of the other players will too, uh, you know, along along with it. I think that, you know, from, from, the, from a government perspective, I think, you know, if I'm reading between the lines of what – the heart behind what Trump is saying is is even though he may be saying even though he may be saying that he doesn't want them to protest this way it's mm-hmm. disrespecting the flag i think what he's 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 saying is that uh, you, your role models within you know Absolutely. our 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 culture oh, yeah i remember as a kid i looked up to all these athletes right and i think i think that it, you know there's a fine line there but so i, I see both sides i do think that the government though that part of the solution is that um i spent this morning with my daughter at at um the um uh, bring your daughter or bring your child to dad bring their child to school day or whatever it was mm-hmm. and um and i got to see her teacher in action oh, and i'm like that'd be cool i'm like these people don't get paid enough oh no god dude no. i sat there and watched her teacher miss uh miss swain at Spruce Creek Elementary, and I was blown away. Yeah. I was blown away by, and I don't think she was doing it as a as a um, show and tell to the dads. I think that this is her daily routine. I mean, the, she was running that place like clockwork. She she was experienced, and I sat back and I said, "Oh my gosh, these people." They, my mom's a teacher too, so I kind of sympathize from that perspective. But these people are giving their lives to these kids, and there's a lot on the line with educating them. There's not enough there. I think the government could do a lot more from an educational standpoint for all of these areas. I mean, mm-hmm. you, when you look at our system, the low-performing schools, if I'm not mistaken, get less money. Yeah. 
How is that even possible? <laughs> I, I don't know. That doesn't uh, because make money any is, uh, uh, sense to Money me. is motivation, and they think if you're chasing Bull the money. Bullcrap. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, if, if, we, if we have underperforming schools in low-income areas, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. those are the ones that need more funding and need more resources. Yeah. And then less Just, resources. At the very least, attention. Oh, at the very least attention, and they don't get the attention. And I think it starts there. I mean, I yeah. think for, you know, once again, that's what the government could be doing more of. We could be throwing, you know, more dollars at those types of solutions than, than, than ramping up our jails and ramping up our cops and privatizing yeah. jails and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, 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 the tens of billions of dollars spent on privatizing jails is, is unbelievable. Um, uh, the last but not least uh, is I, that you're doing I, something. I do have a, a thought yes. before you get there. On how to solve the kneeling national anthem problem. Okay, uh, I'm sure plenty of people have already talked about this, but prior to 2009, NFL players were not on the field during the national anthem. Why are they on the field? Take them off the field. If they want to protest, they can protest on their cleats. They can put statements on there. They can put John 316 like Tebow under their eyes. Whatever. Just take them off the field during the national anthem. How has that not happened? Well, I, well I do, because I do think that they have a right to to convey their 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 opinions about something in, in a peaceful protest. I and think it's, that, it's, it's, it's a peaceful protest. It's an effective protest. Absolutely. People are talking about um, it. But at this point, now that it is affecting the shield, protect the shield, it's affecting the you shield. You're talking about the shield of the NFL? The NFL yeah. shield. They always talk about it. They're yeah. Protecting the shield. Take them off the field. They can protest on their cleats if they want to wear a certain color or put certain language on there or whatever they want. Yeah, And, and I know that there's you know, fine rules with what you write on your or bandanas or stuff that you wear, but yeah, take the fine. So what? Take the fine. If you got something to speak about, you're making hundreds of millions of dollars over your career. You can pay a few fines in order to speak what you're trying to speak. Yeah, it'll be interesting on how it all un- unfolds. I mean, you know, the, the, the bottom line, it is a business, right? It's and, business. And so, yeah. you know, when... And at this point, it's a pastime. Yeah. You know, this is this is more than yeah. just it being a business. This is this is America. This is football. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, it has overtaken baseball as a pastime. Absolutely. It certainly has. And you know, but you know, I think that uh, you know, it's better than the baseball protests uh, or the the uh when they were over their salaries, well, not protest their uh boycotting their their salaries. And so um anyways, I I want to close out because I know you have something to share on a, on a on a uh, uh, on a fundraiser or charity thing that you're doing. Yes. I don't want to forget that. Uh, but I want to invite you back. I want to invite you back because I, I I've enjoyed our conversation. I think that you have a lot to share. I think that there um uh you know there are topics that um we couldn't get into today that we might want to talk about. And there's no real agenda with this podcast, as I explained to you. But um uh, I I've enjoyed having you on, man. But before Thanks. you do, let's um tell me what you're doing in the, in the community. So, uh, well, a lot of different things. Um, obviously, heavily involved with Quarterback Club, and we do a lot of charitable stuff through Quarterback Club. And uh, let me be honest, a lot of fun, too. Uh, quarterback, sure. quarterback Club is a blast, but we get to be charitable at the same time. So that's really cool. Um, I, you know, I always try to be charitable. I'm a, I'm a very, very, very fortunate person. Um, I was, uh, when I was younger, my mom had some issues. I never met my dad. Um, I was a foster kid for four years from ages of four to eight, roughly. Mm, I uh, didn't know that. Uh, most people don't. It's not something I talked about when we were a kid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but as an adult, I, I feel comfortable to talk about it now. Uh, but I, I had four years, roughly four years, uh, three or four homes that I recall. A lot of it's blocked out, to be honest with you. I, can't, I, I try to reach back to it, and I, and I shut a lot of it out. Um, I was in uh, one home that was really, really bad, really bad. Nothing physical, nothing sexual, nothing like that. But there was some mental abuse within the home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget, like, uh, every kid in the house, uh, every kid in the house, whether – I don't know if it was their own kids – or if they were foster kids, I don't recall, but Easter came and everybody got a basket but me. You know, um, like, little, you know, it's like six, seven got years it. old. It was pretty devastating for a little sure. kid. Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it just it, a lot of bad stuff. And then I ended up in this really great home after that one. Um, and that lasted for about a year. I'll never forget her. her name was Sue Greeley, this just amazing woman. Um, taught me what it was like to, like, have a family. I had, like, brothers and sisters, and they, were, they lived on a farm, and they had a pool, and... I got to go to school and, you know, I was really learning how to be a kid at that point, not sure. just shuffled from home to home. And uh, when I was with my mom living in cars at points and there was just a lot of uh, bad stuff when I was younger. But um, I recall that whole experience that every time you went from home to home, you usually lost everything along the way. Whatever clothes you had, whether it was two pair of shorts and a shirt or whatever it was, you, you usually lost it. Um, or you never really had belongings, toys, anything like that. It didn't come with you. It usually stayed at the home you were in. So you never really owned anything. Um, there's a there's a program that I've been researching, and I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. I've ne- never met anyone from the organization. Um, but I, I like the idea. It's uh, togetherwerise.org. Uh, what they do is— I'll make sure I get that. I'll put that on the yeah, website. Togetherwerise.org. What they do is they uh, 100% of the contributions go to duffel bags for foster kids because they're constantly going from home to home and they can take their articles of clothing or whatever toys or whatever so it's just something for them to own that's theirs um so i I think that's a cool program it's something i would have been appreciated when i was a kid um i I know that was a bit of a somber story i'm a lucky kid as i said no that i I got out of that uh my grandmother stepped in grandma and grandfather stepped me in got me out of that uh that world, I got to live with them. Unfortunately, only uh, probably less than a year after they they brought me into their home after a lengthy court battle, my grandfather passed away. So my mm. grandmother had to raise me. Um, she only raised girls prior, never worked outside the home. She didn't really know how to raise a boy. Oh, wow. Um, so it was an interesting experience, but uh, there was a, an amazing special bond with her. So I'm very thankful to her. She's gone now. But um because she was so amazing and she gave so much to me, my grandmother sat or sacrificed her retirement for me. She sacrificed travel for me. She's you know buying me all the things that I needed, cars and shoes, and she didn't have a lot of money. She lived off my grandfather's pension from Ford. So, you know, she was pretty broke. She was lucky wow. to live in Port Orange herself. But she got me to Port Orange around you people, which yeah. got me away from people in the Detroit area. And let's be honest, this is why I say I'm so lucky. If I got out of the foster system at eight years old, imagine if there was another few years in there in the Detroit area, who would I have likely ended up associating with? I probably would have ended up with bad kids going the wrong way, drugs, gangs, things like that. So, or you um, could have caught up, you know, caught up with Eminem and you know Nate Miles. No, I'm just not much of a rapper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree with you, man. I I I see your point there. So I'm at a point in my life where giving back feels very good to me. Yes. Um. And and yeah, I want to make them feel better too. But a lot of this is about I want to feel good. I want to give back. I want to pay it forward. 
Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to contribute to things like this. So in October, 5% of the commissions for the agency, not affecting the agents of the profitability or the profits, commission profits of the agency are going to go to this organization. Um, and this is in October? This is in October. So how, do, how does somebody listening to this get involved to help? To, to help? So, I mean, it, it, Hey, listen, if somebody's looking for an insurance product, send them our way. www.seanbrowninsurance.com you can search me on Facebook just Google Sean Brown you're getting ready to go into open enrollment it's coming yeah Yeah. so I mean Uh, Medicare open enrollments October 15th through December 7th and uh, overlapping with that is the traditional health insurance open enrollment for those under 65 which is going to be November 1st through December 15th they've cut it in half this year you did have three months to enroll now you have six weeks so we are going to be very, very, very busy. I strongly recommend anyone get on the ball right away. Don't wait till the last minute. You'll, you know, we'll pay the price for that, and so will you. Um, so call us early. We'll get you a quote. It costs nothing. Um, we can usually get quotes out in two or three minutes. Our whole, our whole motto is fast, friendly, affordable. We really, really stick to that. When you call us, we know you're busy. We want to get you a quote in just a few minutes. We want to get it written with just a, you know, have the whole thing done in 15 minutes um, with a smile on the other end of the line. We're not going to talk down to you because you don't know what you, what's going on in insurance like a lot of agents do. Um, we get it. We're, we're not experts. Well, we, I guess we are at this point, but we're not. We're not arrogantly experts, so right. we're going to talk to you. If you don't understand, we'll talk to you. We'll explain it. And uh, and 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 with this with this organization, if you don't have a need to purchase insurance, then go straight to them. Yeah. Uh, TogetherWeRise.org. Together, yeah, I'll yeah. make sure that's on the website. I'll make sure to put your Sean Brown insurance on the website, um, on uh, into Hinterland's website, um, and uh, we'll get get you going there. Yeah. I I. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't thank you enough, man. This is uh, this has been really good, and I'll vouch for everything he just said. I was a customer. He was very responsive in his early days of getting into the business. <laughs> he took good care of us for that interim time. I, I, I honestly, in many ways, I wish I could still be with him. Um, uh, but you know, you get no, this. You take a group policy. You get a policy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is what it is. Anytime you can take it. Take but he, I got to tell you, man, uh, if you can reach out to Sean, SeanBrownInsurance.com. And uh, you can also go to www.intohinterland.com and get uh, uh, a link from there to both the organization as well as Sean's website. Um, hey, like I said, man, this has been really cool. Yeah. And, and you're welcome anytime. Like I said, if you want to do more or if you, uh, you want to start your own podcast. I do. Gonna, I do. Yeah. I think I, you should. As mentioned, I've got – we have some – very interesting, very intelligent friends and acquaintances, and I want to talk to those people in yeah. this sort of a form. Yep. Um, that uh, let's talk about viewpoints. Let's argue a little bit. Let's, uh, you know, whatever it might be, but that's something I want to get into. And I might want to do, you know, some political stuff. I might want to do some local stuff. I might want to do some Big Ten football stuff that, you know, so I might have an, a, a couple of different podcasts, but. Yeah, you can do it, man. I, and I will be more than happy to show you the ropes. And, and you can see I'm not an expert whatsoever. We've had so <laughs> much te- technical difficulty on this one, but we made it through. We thank you all for, for you know, for listening. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, in the coming weeks, maybe or coming months, you know, Sean, once he gets through open enrollment, may have his own little deal here. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, Amen for January. So, yeah, I'll lean on you for that. I'll, I'll ask questions. Open invitation. That's awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, check out www.intohinterland.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. See you. Later.